football frenzy. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, here we go. Three o'clock hour. Willie Ramirez is here. Here is Twin Peaks on Eastern. Willie's hosting the party tonight. Monday Night Football, Bears and the Patriots. We'll see if the Patriots really are a good team. I know it's next week. Patriots actually favored on the road against the Jets. We'll get into that with John Von Tobel in just about two hours as he'll give us our eye on sports gambling tonight. Big beers under four bucks. Select appetizers two, four, and six. And Willie's grand prize, the Big Willie grand prize is tickets to go see Elton John. How cool is that? So that's coming up on November 1st, but you got to be here. Sign up, and Willie's giving those away before 7 o'clock. If you don't know where Twin Peaks is, just south of the 215 on Easter. All right, let's get into the frenzy. I don't have an update on this, but uh, we're rooting for Daniel Bellinger, hometown hero. Guy who went to San Diego State, landed with the Giants as a fourth-round pick. Bright future. But yesterday it looked like his eye got jacked up, so nothing official yet, but he did have to leave the game. And, it, and, and as Dable said after the game, Brian Dable, the head coach, quote, his eye looks terrible right now. Yeah, there's, there's conflicting news. If I, He suffered a fractured eye sucker. Oh, socket. no, that's the update. Yeah, this really? is what I'm, I'm reading. He suffered an, uh, a fractured eye socket, and he will undergo surgery Come later on. this week. This is from the New York Post. Injury is not believed to be season-ending, but it will keep Bellinger off the field. So not uh, the impact drew blood, and Bellinger's left eye was swollen and completely shut. Oh, my God. you got to get popped pretty hard to fracture an eye socket. Yeah. That's like a fight injury. You drive people to that point sometime where they just want to. I do. Never had one, though. Been punched in the face many times. I have strong eyes. Very strong. Actually, 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 you, a good jaw. You work them out. Yeah. Well, I'm do, I do a lot of blinking now. It's not. It's not funny, and it sucks for Bellinger. And hopefully, he's back. You know, before the playoffs, because there's some other teams out there. We'll tell, talk about that in like 15 minutes that have lost guys for the season. You did or didn't like the trickeration yesterday? I dig it. By the Raiders. I dig it at the right time in the right moment, but what I felt like there was one play in particular, the one where uh, Carr, he scoots off to his left. Jacobs, well, they did a couple times, and then Jacobs threw threw it back to him. But there was one where he runs over. The defensive end comes flying up, and he very easily could have pushed. Was it Moreau? Maybe Jacobs. Could have pushed whoever right in. I mean, could have just knocked Carr down hard, or he could have just he could have just barreled through everybody, because at that point he becomes an open target. You could just go right. He's, he's no longer a quarterback. So uh, whoever's taking the snap becomes the the passer per se. So I it just it's it, it, it's cool in the right spot at the right moment, but. And you're trying to throw them off. He just Josh McDaniels opened the playbook yesterday. Yeah, and I get it. It was a little weird too because it was been like four or five plays. Yeah. yeah, Luminar came in at that point, reported as eligible. Direct snap to Jacobs. Um, you wind up getting a pass from Carr to Moreau, and nothing out of it. And then this is the one that actually worked pretty well. Carr he heads out of the backfield. Josh Jacobs in a wildcat. Snap to Jacobs. Rolling left. Pitches to Carr. Looking downfield. Still looking. Still looking. Rolling to his right. Dumps it short. And Morrow has it. And he's got two yards. 
Wrong that one. was the one. Yeah. That was the that one, was the one that, that was dangerous. Not that the, was not one. the Hollins play. No, because Josh took the snap and he throws it to Carr, and then Carr throws it. When jo- when Carr came back toward to get the pitch, he was running toward the blockers. So very easily, when he's running to get the ball, he's now in, he's open game. So they could just come in and, and swat him. They could do you know what I mean? In a sense, he's now uh, outside. He's not he's not the he's not receiving the hike. The snap. Yesterday was National Tight Ends Day. Foster Moreau finishes up with three, four, twenty-eight. Who headed up National Tight Ends Day? If anyone uh, missed this, here is the promo that was cut by George Kittle, and at the end, uh, the Miz. Now, are you ready to celebrate with us or not? It doesn't matter if you're ready to celebrate or not, because on October twenty-third. Titans will be running all over your defenses, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Give me a hell yeah! Hell yeah! National Titans Day is the most electrifying day in all of sports entertainment. So on October 23rd, make sure you tune in, because it's going to be awesome! Not bad, but allow me. Because I'm The Miz, and you're George Kittle, and it's National Titans Day, and it is... Awesome! I like that little monster truck feel right there with the awesome. George Kittle went off, especially late in the game. He had a big day. Uh, Bill Cower enjoyed it. He's a former tight end of the National Football League. He's one of the uh, one of the dudes on the uh, CBS pre-post and halftime show, whatever it's called there, NFL Today, whatever it's called. Um, did you celebrate at all? No feature on that from AP? No. No feature. If uh, Waller was playing, you might have been down with that. I was hoping that somebody would have a little bit of a break. Actually, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I did. I'll tell you, okay, so here's the thing. When I do, like I said, I prepare myself, and you're writing what's called running, right? So we're writing. I have notes at the bottom. Things start popping up. You write these notes. So when you're reading a story, and then at the bottom, you hear notes, or you read notes, different tidbits from the game that don't necessarily fit in the game story. I had Homecoming. For Brevin Jordan, hoping something. Then he, yeah. he he had a beautiful catch. Would have counted in college. Didn't in the NFL. Yep. That was a touchdown, right? It was, was a touchdown. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll talk. But no, we'll talk. Uh, we'll no talk. Two feet down. <laughs> yeah. Then we'll talk about something else that that happened to him. And I, it didn't fit per se in my story. Really, I mean the 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 defensive move fit, but. So anyway, I was I had some stuff ready to go for tight ends and and say hey, happy homecoming on National Tight End Day, but Brevin didn't uh, Brevin Jordan didn't pan out. What else did you say? What was your other point? What else happened to him? Well, we're going to talk about. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, he was on the uh, potential receiving end of a pass, and someone got in front of him uh, after the game. He talked to uh, Deron Harmon, and he talked about the pick six, which was one of the big plays of the game, and a lot of players were excited about that. The hammer, the knockout punch. That's what we talked about, man. It's always going to be a point in the game where, you know, you can put somebody away or you can give them life. And that's what we was talking about. Let's put them away. We had a two-score lead at the time. Let's just execute. And, you know, it was just me at that point. You know, other guys out there doing their job. And that's the only reason why I can make the play is because other people are out there doing their job, getting their right reads, getting their right drops. And I was able to drive that play right there. There you go. Deron Harmon, actually the second-rated PFF defender on the team. Old man. Highly educated. Really smart guy. Uh, Duran Harmon. Yeah, he. Uh, it's funny because I was I was sitting there writing and I looked at the, uh, the media site that we use for stats and everything, and I looked over at Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. I was, 
And I was going to say something, but he had his we, – we listen to the radio broadcast a lot of times. So I went to say something, and I looked back. Then it was the next play, right, when I saw it. Then the next play. And then the next play, my thought was, there's no turnovers. Nobody's turned the ball. What's, it, what's going on? This would be an ideal spot for – I didn't think pick six, but just, you know. You called it mentally. You called it inside in, your head. In, in, yeah, in a sense. And then, boom. But what happened? Who was the intended receiver? Brevin Jordan. I don't know if you know this, but the pass that you intercepted was intended for the hometown hero, second-year player, Brevin Jordan. Yeah. Hey. Sorry. I'm the hometown hero now. There you go. I'm the hometown hero now. Yeah. Well, well I like him. He's one of my heroes. He's a good guy. He play, I, And I'm hoping to catch up with him this season or maybe this week. Who knows? All right. Might, I might have some limited time out there at the facility uh, soon to come, so I might have to get these features in that I've been holding on to. But there, but he plays for a special cause. I'll talk about it Thursday. I'm going to be back okay, on the good. show save Thursday. It. Yeah, save yeah, I'm going to save it. Save it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mac Holland's a hell of a guy as well, and a great story oh. developing here. The uh, touchdown pass that he caught was what a great throw, moving up in the pocket by Carr uh, between two defenders, and Holland got freaking rocked from both sides. Mac Holland's and Adams both to his right. Snap to Carr. Pressure off the edge. Steps up in the pocket. Fires down the middle. Hollins at the three. Grabs it into the end zone. Touchdown Raiders. Mac Hollins was sandwiched between a pair of defenders and still came down with it for the touchdown. I like him. I love he plays Mac the game Collins. hard. He's developing Fantastic. now as a receiver, and he likes playing. He's a happy guy. He, yeah. he was. They were showing him on the sideline, man. He was talking to everyone. He was so fired up. Yeah. And, and that's how he is. Like, he's always – he called himself the weird guy back in training camp. He goes, yeah. I guess I'll be the weird because we started asking him questions. Like, the things we were hearing about, yeah. you know, he wants to open a zoo. Uh, he he uh, McDaniels had told us how sometimes he looks outside the window of his office and he see, he, he runs to the, to the facility. He doesn't drive. He's very uh, – he's got reptiles. He's just very – he's like a nerd. You would like him. He's right up your alley. Nerd alert. That's your favorite phrase to say. Nerd, nerd alert. Uh, there's something <laughs> with the, there's something going on with his shoes. I guess uh, what shoes? Adam Hill caught no up. Shoes. Yeah, I guess I, I got to hear the story. Adam Hill caught up with Renfro after the game and brought up Mac Hollins. Any more catches like that does Mac need before you stop wearing shoes? Too? <laughs> I know. I'm about to walk around New York. I stop wearing socks. Free to feet, man. I'm, free, I'm starting to. Free to feet. Free to feet. Stop playing. I assume that was Mac Hollins in the background screaming yeah. free to feet. Well, Adam asked Hunter that their lockers are next to each other while I was interviewing Mac. So that disrupted my interview. But, no, and, and Mac, he is – listen – Mac will answer football questions all you want, but he loves to talk about anything. Like, the, we were interviewing him after his big week a few weeks ago, right after the Denver game, was it? And we're standing there at his locker, and he turned, or he gets done. We're all talking to him, having fun. And I point, I said, Mac, um, you get a new sponsor or something? Or what's going on? And it was a ramen noodle. Like a, like the ones you would see in the boxes when you're going down the grocery aisle, sure, and they yeah. leave them in the boxes. Some people just buy the case. He goes, "Oh no, man, I, I stick to the basics." I remember where I came from. I love ramen noodles. I this dude. I love is, your point about some people buy the whole boxes. Don't don't all people do that? That's where the value is. You know how many boxes of ramen I have at home? No, I oh, don't. A lot. Oh. It keeps me, you know, all the salt. It's good for you. That sodium yeah, is yeah, good. Sodium is sure. good for you. Absolutely, it? it's good for me with my blood pressure. I mean, in the next couple of weeks, I may just down like seventeen <laughs> packs a day. Say, it's probably not good for me with my blood pressure. <laughs> I love it. 
Value player, Mac Hollins. Now he's, he's my fantastic. He, no he, shoes he, and ramen. A, yeah, and, and, and again, the self-proclaimed <laughs> weird guy. Well, this division, uh, AFC West, has gotten real interesting because the records are not what people thought uh, they would be. And, man, the Chargers kept, uh, keep getting dinged by injuries. We'll tell you about that one or those two. Uh, also, some running backs going down for the season. It was a rough day around the NFL yesterday, including for two of the, uh, the grandfathers of the league, both teams struggling, both quarterbacks struggling. What's going on with TB12 and A-Rodge? Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. I want to get into uh, TB12 and Aaron Rodgers here in a second. We're talking about Raiders in the uh, first hour. We're going to be hitting them again in the 4 o'clock hour. Schedule the rest of the way, Willie. Now they're 2-4. and four. You know, the start was dreadful. At Saints, at Jaguars, home Colts, who just made a switch today, a quarterback from Matt Ryan. Who knows what it will be in a couple of weeks. At Broncos, at Seahawks. At Saints, at Jaguars, home Colts, at Broncos, at Seahawks. Four of the next five on the road. A lot of the fortunes for these teams have changed from what I thought at the beginning of the season. Saints are okay, but as long as Andy Dalton is playing, they're not. I just don't think they're that dangerous on offense. Do you want to Kamara's see, good. Do you want to hear my weird, odd take? Yes. Four and one, they lose at home to the Colts. That's really weird. Yep. I don't think we need to bet on that, but that's really weird. That's uh, too easy for me to take the money from ag- Agreeable on the Saints, which you, which you just said. I, I think the Jaguars... Jaguars are just – I think that they've shown some life. They've shown some spunk, but I think the Raiders can beat them. They're, and they're staying out there, so they'll be on the East Coast. They're not, I don't, That's a good I, move. I don't believe they're coming That's back. That's a good move. I don't think they'll beat the Jaguars. Uh, coming home. My Jaguars. What's, what's, my number one, what's my number one reason with the Colts? My guy. Defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley. Really? With Sam Ellinger, quarterback. Or Nick Foles. Or maybe Matt Ryan. Defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley. Right. With those quarterbacks. Mm. Just keep saying defensive coordinator. I'm just going to keep going back to the offense. They're going to shut that down. Yeah. (laughs) Jacobs will have a field day. Um, Denver is a travesty. I don't even know if it Here's the thing. That might be the asterisk because... Who knows who the coach may be? I mean, is Hackett going to make it that far? He'll make it. He'll okay. be he'll be here through the end of the year, and then they'll re-examine. Uh, the Seattle one scares me a little bit. A little bit. Well, just because it's so far down the road, and with what we saw yesterday, and, and I think I think and, it should scare and, you a lot of bit. And I think all of you, every one of you, when I said Geno Smith, it, it, when we talked about it at the start of the season. Is he, is he real deal? And I said, yes. Why? Well, from what I saw last year when he filled in for Russell Wilson and then terrible. he came here. Right. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. No, he wasn't. His play is you so were much... just upset with him because of his days with the Jets. No, I'm not. I was, yes. I was always a Geno fan. It's just he is what he is. They, they, he looked well, pretty good. Well, the, the Seahawks coaching staff is doing a really good job. Can you get on your little, uh, your little analytic PFFF thing? Yes. Where, do they give grades for the week? Where did he grade for the week? I thought you wanted it for the season. No, I want to know what he graded out. Well, you can give me that too. 
You guys love that. God, you love that site. I'll never pay for a subscription there. Why? I'm just not going to. You know, it's funny. Gino yesterday did not grade well. Yeah. He was a 59-6. And they, and they did great. Well, they did great because Kenneth Walker went crazy, which if we're doing, you know, by the ways and, you know, look back at predictions, mm. uh, there's only one guy in the country who said Kenneth Walker would be a stud in the NFL. That's not true. But I like doing that because I hear a lot of other radio. No one else said this. No, but I did like Kenny Walker coming out of first, Wake Forest, then Michigan State, and he went off yesterday. They're good. They're a good team. I, I still don't believe that they're, they're trying to win. Gino's I still can't believe they're trying to win because they're screwing themselves out of a, one of these big quarterbacks in the draft. But, oh, well, you get, I guess Geno will be the future. Geno Smith, I mean, just in general, just for throw, just yards, 1,700 yards. 1,712. Better than Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers. What's Matthew the best Stanford, thing he's done? Derek Carr. What's the best thing he's done? Look at the mistakes. Right? Pretty much mistake-free football. Three picks. That's it. Yep. 11-3, touchdown-to-interception ratio. Yeah, no one's asking him to be 1.4%. Freaking throwing 45 times a game. Run game. It's what Carroll wanted. Run game and take care of the ball. Play good defense. They're doing it. His quarterback uh, rating, ESPN's total QBR, or excuse me, let me let me start over. Quarterback rating in general on the site that I go to. Right. Football reference. Is that Jimbo's football leaflet? No, profootballreference.com, smartass. Geno Smith is the third-rated quarterback behind Patrick Holmes, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and then Geno Smith. 107.7 is his overall QBR at profootballreference. Not gonna, not gonna sit here and argue that he's been, he's been good. So he's the, uh, by PFT, he's the number four rated quarterback in the NFL. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are ahead of him. Oh, Jesus! And you pay for a subscription for that other stuff. Well, I think it's very valuable. Yes, just for the grades. Um, well, there's lots more in here, but yeah, I look at the grades. I'm not going to go crazy on delivering all the information to the audience, but yeah, do you, I think it's especially. Do you good. know why I would pay for that subscription? Why? I would pay for it to be the contrary and go, oh, look at these grades. But I'd find the reasons that you can argue. The same way that you could do with any other site, the same way where you, you kind of oh mock God. me just for, 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 for just to, when I try to draw ire from you and I send sure. them over in the rundown. Right. You're like, you love to send these over, yep. the rankings. That's how I think of those. Well, you, do, you, do like, you do like 21-year-old intern rankings from, yes. you know, <laughs> SI, which got rid of its It's entire like people that call Ken Palm the Bible for yes. college basketball. It's not. It is. It's not. It is. Don't hate numbers. I don't hate numbers. Don't I'm hate just, technology. I'm, just because you're old and I'm old, one of us can embrace it. Listen, one of us can time all, out. One of us can be all scared of it. Time out. I don't we celebrate the numbers. We celebrate National Grunch, Grouch Day for you. Remember that. But I, you know what I use Kempon for? Offensive and defensive adjusted. Okay. I use it for that. Okay. But but the overall power is not the Bible for college basketball. Relax. I think it's pretty good. Okay. We're going to have this discussion during college basketball season. How about that? All right. Is that good? Sure. Can PFF can, – can we get some ratings on the World Series from PFF? Don't get all frustrated, okay? I'm not even frustrated. I'm, I'm in a great mood today. Just because you're on I'm the wrong a, side of this discussion. Don't I am in a great mood today. You know why? Why is that? It, it, it's weird. Uh, I've used that word a couple I'm in a great times mood because Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are struggling. Actually, I take that back. Aaron Rodgers is struggling, which, by the way, uh, it's mostly me because I have him as my fantasy quarterback for the first time ever. And uh, you, but you know, I'm I'm struggling mentally with Tom Brady struggling mentally. I feel for him. Feel for him. 
You know who doesn't feel bad for him? Well, we'll we'll cover that. Yeah. Do it, Antonio Do it. Brown. You didn't even need me to throw you the, the softball Antonio in out of the park. Antonio Brown doesn't feel bad for him. Yeah, what's what's AB got to say? He's always always very interesting. Oh, now this dude. Now talk about someone whose mental health needs. He needs a couch. He needs a therapist. He needs somebody to talk to him. He needs a manicure, a pedicure. He needs whatever he can do. But uh, he's back to mocking Tom Brady and his relationship with Giselle or the crumbling relationship. I had no clue about this before, a couple of weeks ago. Did you know about this a couple of weeks ago that he was posting Photoshop photos with him and Giselle? No. I had no clue until I saw I think it I have. I think I have an A-B block on, like, every social media feed because <laughs> it's just such stupidity. Well, yeah, I have keywords too the block it, but what I do is I, I think I've told you this, right? So I, I open up Chrome on my phone and if it's just a blank page, it it doesn't go back to the previous page I was visiting, it'll tell me what suggested links to click. Lately it hasn't been a lot of sports. I'm a little disturbed by that and I'm disturbed by what it's showing me. But uh A B was one of them and he's targeting Tom Brady and his wife. He's been totally on the offensive, and he's just attacking the split of the 13-year marriage with these, sure. with these, with the. He had one of them to hugging, um, one where he photos. He, he's got the photos. He's got Tom Brady photoshopped on his body, and then colored it to be instead of a black man to a white man of when he took off the jersey and ran off the field. Oh, really? I figured it was going to be in the pool. Waving his wiener around in uh, Dubai. Mm-hmm. That was a, don't 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 use that word derogatory when when you know the fact that Kalu is a, a wiener dog. We have respect for that word. Is that right? We yes, Kalu has brought respect to that word. Our language is changing. The rules are changing because yeah, of wiener if you want if you want if you just Google Antonio Brown and Giselle and you, and you can get a full you can get a full display of all the photoshops but he's definitely in full mock mode. This from the guy who at one point was saying right he was saying. No, Tom Brady's my guy. Right. I love him. He love, we're boys. We're boys. we boys. I can't wait to stop Photoshopping stuff of, of me in the SO. Wednesdays, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Now it's a sweep to Lindsey. Lindsey going on the right side. He's in for a touchdown. E.J. Harris. And Jeray Williams tried to stop him, but he went around them and scored. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Russ Langer on the call there, a little down in the dumps. Wasn't the uh, greatest fourth quarter. Weird game. Terrible first quarter for the Rebels at Notre Dame. How was he Second and third. Second and third, they were more than competitive. Actually had it 30-14 to 14 with 5.30 left in the third quarter. Chance to score a touchdown. Get within one score, but they went three and out, and then Notre Dame just decided, you know what, now it's time. After wearing on you guys the entire game, and they, the defense was out there a lot yeah. because of mistakes by the Rebels. Mm. Uh, they had two long drives that closed out the game. Atmosphere was awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, that stadium holds 77,000, I think, so probably 70,000 there, and really cool outside the stadium. We had gone the day before, so I got to see a little bit of the campus. Mm-hmm. You know, cool campus. About what you'd expect. Middle of nowhere. South Bend is definitely a small city. Middle of nowhere. And the pregame was dynamite. Was Like, that's the one thing you'd want to be there for is all the kind of pomp and circumstance. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. If you looked at UNLV All Access, the Twitter account for UNLV All Access podcast that we do, 
I put out a lot of videos, and most were of the band. I like bands. Yeah. I get cracked on that, but you've got, like, one of the top four or five songs in the history of college football, Notre Dame's fight song. Mm-hmm. And that band has, I don't know how many members, 150 members. It was awesome. So I, I'm a softie for stuff like that. Is uh, That doesn't make you soft. Is um, 70,000, that's a lot. Is that your, because uh, SHI holds a little more than 50,000. That's, uh, that's the Rutgers Stadium, yes. They, this, right. Notre, Dame's I a little, it up. Notre Dame's a little more historical. No, no, I, I understand yeah. that. But what I was saying is, yeah. as far as standing in the middle of X amount of thousands of people, yeah. is that, is that your, was that the biggest crowd for you? Oh, I don't even know. I'd have to think about that. Mm. I think the Notre Dame-BYU crowd might have been that and BYU-Arizona last year. Yeah. That was pretty big at Allegiant for me. It wasn't the loudest because they got out to such a good start. It was loud on block punts. It was loud. They had two of them in one quarter. And that's what kind of did in the Rebels. The quarterbacks played okay. Just okay. I know a lot of people watched it, and they were like, Friel was terrible, Bailey was good. They were both okay. Loudest atmosphere for you ever. Um, in the pregame, it was loud. Mm-hmm. But they got out to such a quick start that it wasn't consistently loud throughout. Yeah. I will say this. I've been to Arrowhead. It's loud yeah. in general, right? It's loud. It was a regular season game against the Steelers. Um, when the Royals clinched against the Angels, loud. Yeah. But I will say this. For only holding 18-5. That first year with the Golden Knights, that was a lot. Now, you know that they built T-Mobile specifically and built acoustics to sort of just reverberate, and it makes it seem louder, but that was loud and electric. Um, but South Bend, is, it's obviously, you know, um, until, you start re- st- until we started reading the stories and clips that came out online about the truth behind the movie Rudy, but when you watch that, it's so iconic. And I, th- I can't remember who I asked this to about that opening day where you, where you see the bus drive up. It might have been Paloma. She was on with throw, on Throw the Flag with us. The bus drives up and the parents get, Rudy's parents get up. The limo drives up. John Favreau's character gets out, right, with the, with the wife when they come up from Miami for the game. Everybody shows up for Rudy. Could you, did you, not that you thought about the movie, but did you feel that sense? People <laughs> pulling up, the band, the whole thing, the buildup for a game at Notre Dame. Were, were you feeling that? I didn't feel it. No, no vibe. Okay, no. well, great. Sorry. Move on. Like I said, no, I thought the best part was the band. The, the best part was the band and the pregame. They had a really good video presentation. And then after the game, they do they do their fight song. They do it with some other song where the whole crowd is doing it. I thought that was cool. But would they have done it if they lost? Is it a victory I, song? I don't know. I don't know what they do when they lose. They've lost a bunch this year, but they played a really good first quarter, and you know they were bigger and stronger down the stretch, so they won the game. Uh, afterwards, I caught up with Marcus Arroyo. You know, it was kind of a mixed bag. They got a lot of guys. Some playing time. I thought they found some valuable pieces, but they were down a bunch of players with Aiden Robbins, the running back, and Doug Brumfield, the starting quarterback, out. And uh, this part of the conversation we started with, uh, how did the team feel right after the loss against Notre Dame? We've got a mature football team that understands that we've got everything in front of us and that you've got to do things right to win a football game. And I think that that's, if that's what we can build on, if that's the culture we've got in our locker room, then sky's the limit. Well, I think you made the point about the sidelines staying together, and I could see that. You just had three tough losses, and there was no fighting. There was no turning you know, backs on each other, none of that. No, no, zero. And that hasn't been – that hasn't been here since we've been here. Um, we started to build that early on, uh, regardless of the score, because I think at the end of the day, um, if you've got that in your culture, no matter, no matter what you call or what you're playing or how you're practicing or who you're recruiting, um, that's poison. That is a cancerous thing to your system, the cancerous thing to any culture or family. And I think that 
our guys understand that that's a zero tolerance and, and, and what you're seeing is what you're getting and I, I'm excited about that. So some of the mistakes in the first half really hurt you. What did you see on the punts? What were they doing? Either was it lack of execution on your part or they changed up how they were attacking? Yeah, they changed up their scheme and then the second time we didn't communicate well enough. Um, and so we've got to do a better job of communicating because things can happen once they can happen twice. And so uh, we'll get back and make sure that we know how to communicate that well enough next time. Positives in the game, there were a bunch of them guys stepped up. Courtney Reese, and I thought Reese, aside from being fast, was very patient. Yeah, no, I mean, for Aiden to be out, obviously, who's in the dog cow for us for, for what we were doing, to have uh, Courtney come in and, and him and Jordan to take the, take the bulk of what we're doing is – uh, says a lot about their ability to prepare. Um, those guys haven't had as many reps as, as Aiden had, and um, they had to pick up the flag and run, and I thought they did a great job up front, did a great job with some big blocks. The line did a nice job on some of those runs, and, and then Courtney uh, did his part. And so really excited about that because I think at the end of the day that developed some depth. What did you like that you saw from Harrison Bailey? Well, he's competing. He hasn't had many reps. He went out there and moved the ball, had some things he wanted back. It was imperfect. Um, but, again, he had a positive attitude. Uh, communicated when he got to the sideline, knew he made some mistakes, knew some things. He asked some questions, some some mature questions about kind of what we wanted to do in certain instances. Um, and so I'm excited for him to look at this film, game film, finally, and and, and get in and, and, and continue to grow. Where does Cam go from here? Uh, he dealt with a lot of pressure in the first half, and he got sacked four times. I, I yeah. thought he had to deal with a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, you know, in tough situation there with a lot of pressure um, coming down. That's a, that's a really talented front front group for these guys. Um, and they, and they, they bring a lot of pressure, a lot of man pressure, so they're, it's man for man. Um, so he was dealt, obviously, a tough situation there, but uh, got a little banged up and uh, wanted to pull him out. And so I think uh, I know Cam's can continue to grow, and so I'll, he'll be our. Yeah, rough breaks today for Kyle Williams. That was disappointing. And then, you know, Rex hurts his other leg. Yeah, injuries are, injuries are something right now that have, that have really, you know, been hard on us, especially with key guys. Um, but they are what they are, and we've got to find a way. We've got to find a way to get as healthy as we can and uh, bounce back and get these next five weeks uh, as dialed in as we can. A lot of players getting new time now. B.J. Harris, I thought, did a pretty good job in the open field for a little guy. He really hasn't played in this kind of atmosphere. He was good. No, I mean, it, I thought he did a fantastic job. I mean, guys who are getting reps right now with, you know, uh, obviously with B.J. Harris getting in there, making a bunch of plays, being aggressive, not afraid. Um, Courtney, Jordan, Keeler. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there, you know, even Fred getting back in there and mixing it up, um, filling in for Beaudry and AJ. And, um, there's a lot of guys that are getting getting some reps uh, down this home stretch, and, and that'll be how it is. Um, so it's good to see those guys make it to plays. Yeah, I was going to shout out uh, Wiseli, uh, Muvesi for a couple of knockdowns, and then also Darius Johnson was in the middle just grinding against big dudes, and he looked gassed at the end, and he was still working. Man, I, I just – I, I'm so humbled by those guys' approach, uh, YC and, and Darius, against a team like this when your back's against the wall and a lot of people would maybe pull the plug. Um, those guys battled, and uh, I'm, I'm really proud to be part of that group. How much rest do the guys get during the bye week? Well, I mean, we'll look at the calendar and we'll see. That we need a lot. You know, we'll get a couple practices in, in a, in a five, six-day stretch, um, but I won't be anything where i got to attack these guys. We're, we're, we're down the home stretch here. we got to make sure we're healthy, but we're still uh, being able to move and, and compete and keep our minds sharp but um it'll be it'll be to the point of, of getting guy, getting guys back yeah we'll try to get an update on wide receiver kyle williams asap but that did not look good he uh, actually left the field willie in a walking boot and that was after missing multiple weeks with an ankle before this so i know he was not happy uh rex goosen is the, the rex i reference is the long snapper mm. came back after a horrendous knee injury a year ago to his right knee and he hurt his left knee so that was uh, disappointing they have a, a pretty solid Backup long snapper in Walker Harden. But, yeah, the mistakes on the punts, got to fix those. You can't have two of them in a game. can't have one, really, against Notre Dame. And then Ricky White fumbled once. 
and uh, pass protection at times was uh, very much lacking. I will tell you, Notre Dame, when you watch them up close, you can see what kind of level Willie they recruit at because the size of the players is simply incredible, and Isaiah Foskey is going to be a first- or second-round pick, and he's the guy who blocked both of the punts. 6'6", 265, runs like a 4'8", in the 40. You're going to see him in the first couple of rounds of the draft. He was awesome. You know, they come out of there with a 23-point thumping, and I'm just looking at the fact that they go to San Jose, they lose Dougie B, and they get smacked by 33 points. They come home, Air Force runs through them, no such thing as moral victories. I get it. Whether Marcus Arroyo says it, we say it, whoever. But the fact that they lost the way they did and really, you know, they hung around for a little bit, it says something after the way that they lost to a couple of Mountain West teams to go to South Bend in that atmosphere. Now they have a bye week. If they can just build off the fight that they had, they might go down to San Diego State, you know, maybe healthier and feeling a little good about themselves. Chips and queso or mozzarella bites for just four bucks. Five dollar modelos and plenty of other great food and drink specials. Twin Peaks in Henderson is your spot for Monday Night Football with Cofield and Company. Mr. Rue, you know, you, you dream about this stuff when you're a kid. And, uh, you know, shout out to my teammates. You know, we uh, show up every single day. You know, we stay true to ourselves all year. And, uh, yeah, we're a step away from our the ultimate goal. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Astros, but especially the Phillies. That's the World Series set up for a Friday start. Willie, Cofield, Kevin Higgins. Big fan of a lot of these guys on the Phillies. He's a UNLV assistant coach. Of course, a guy played in the majors, was a star here in Las Vegas. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing, Steve? I'm good. I'm really good. So give me your uh, general feeling on uh, seeing hometown guys, you know, Stott, who you coached, and then Harper in the World Series. Well, it's, it's super exciting, you know, to see two guys that you had a, a little bit of a part in, uh, you know, mainly just told them more, what time the game was and made sure they weren't late. Uh, that's the talent that both of them had. And luckily, CSN in 2010 got a chance to coach Bryce and then three years with Bryson at UNLV and just uh, – it's fun to watch them play and, and become what they've become. So, Kevin, I, I heard an interesting interview um, this morning. Ryan Howard was on, and he was talking about the one thing that reminded him about this team was the 2008 team and sort of just the scrappiness. There's, you know, you, you have the big name Bryce Harper, obviously, right? Reese Hodgkin. But – in general, at any given time, this team can be dangerous. Um, they're, it's, they're not a, they're, they, they just kind of rise up, and, and at different times, different guys step up, and they sort of had that we-are-family sort of attitude. Do you see that when you're watching this team, the scrappiness? Yeah, you do. I mean, I think you see a genuine love for each other. Right? They're playing for each other more than themselves and, and trying to accomplish one goal, and, and you can see how much fun they're having and – they have their little daps and uh, different handshakes when they come in after a home run. Uh, got a good veteran, veteran, and and some and some young guys helping out. So, I mean, they're they're pretty set on all ends of the thing. But chemistry is something to be said when you're playing 162 games. You can kind of get together like that and play for play for one goal, and that's a team. And uh, it really appears they're all doing that. Speaking to UNLV baseball assistant coach Kevin Higgins, also former baseball player. 
where is the advantages in terms of where Philadelphia can sort of take advantage of of Houston um, in in certain intangibles? There, there, like you said, those that chemistry that they're playing with on the field. Um, what are some of those intangibles you see that Philadelphia can take care of, take advantage of Houston and vice versa? Uh, well, I mean, I think if you look at it, I mean, Houston's loaded. They've uh, they're good in all phases of the game. They've been there before, so this is nothing new for them. Um, but like I said, Philly's playing with that that exuberance and that uh, the confidence that they have. Uh, they have a they have a strong number one and number two, and Wheeler and Nola uh, bullpens producing and. And personally, I think they have the best player on the field. So that's always a good sign. Maybe they can help you out going in, and he's hot right now. Can you talk about Bryson and his road? Because this was not an easy road, and the fact that he got out to a rough start this year and then bounced back in the second half, I think the whole thing is incredible, especially when you factor in the COVID year. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he just battles. He just, that's who Bryson is. He just keeps going. Uh, he's got a confidence about him, an inner confidence. He doesn't show it out he's not cocky or anything of that nature but he just plays with a with a belief in himself and and does the right things on a day-to-day basis and uh you know got his shot had to go down for a little bit produced and uh you know he's coming up in the big moments now and that's uh you never doubted it but you always you know you never know when somebody's going to get their shot and the fact that he got he got you know they believed in him enough to get him up there and get rid of a 20 million dollar man and Gregorius at shortstop and let him play. I think that confidence is what he's feeding off of right now, that the manager believes in him, his teammates believe in him, and that can go a long way. You know, when I talked to you uh, back in 2019 for a story I wrote for the Associated Press, um, it was just before the draft. And the theme that they wanted me to go on to sort of that clickbait, if you will, was that he was following in the footstep of some of baseball's current biggest stars and that he would be Vegas's next Chris Bryant <laughs> and Bryce Harper, not in the same mold, but just in terms of that stature from Las Vegas. Chris has a title, and now it's just amazing that they've gotten to play with one another. I quoted you, and you said he works hard, and he understands his craft, and that's the difference between Bryson and most people at this level. He understands who he is and what he can do and how to do it. What I'm wondering is, in coaching him and understanding him, I also spoke with Greg Maddox about him, but is – how much do you think having Bryce there, like if Bryson was playing, let's say, with the Cubs or a different team, having Bryce there at different times, different moments, how much knowing that character, knowing that person, has that helped? I, I think it's it's huge, uh, and I think Bryson will be the first to tell you in his development. Uh, having a veteran like that and a, and a star that you can lean on, um, you know, you, you need those older guys to help you be a pro. I mean, those are the guys that have been there, done that. And I think having somebody with their relationship and as close as they are to be uh, side by side in the dugout with you, um, you know, together during spring training, it definitely it it, it has to be a positive for him. Um, and and hopefully, you know, I mean, developed him maybe a little quicker than it would have. He's going to be there regardless because the player he is. But I think that comfort level being with Bryce has probably let him uh, made that confidence grow even more. Kevin Higgins up on Cofield and Company. Willie, I want you to uh, answer uh, one of your own questions you sent over, and then we want to run it by Higgy. You think that Bryce Harper is a different guy than he was in Washington? Explain that, Willie. I think that he feels a little more content and comfortable in not having to have 
sort of an arrogance about him in in deflecting media with expectations. I think with Philadelphia, uh, as Kevin explained earlier, with that team, the chemistry is that anybody will step up around. And Bryce doesn't feel like everyone's depending on him, even though he knows he's the big gun. What do you think, Kevin? Has he changed a little bit from a personality standpoint? I think, well, I think he's definitely matured. I think everybody does. Uh, you know, the expectations, and I've always said it, the expectations that were put on him, only maybe three or four people in the history of the world know what that's like. <laughs> right. um, you know, he, he came into pressure from the time he was 15, 16, and he's, the pressure's been put on him. Now you're playing in the nation's capital and expecting to do it. And he was, people forgot he was still 22, 23 years old. Um, that's tough to put on somebody's shoulder. I think he's matured quite a bit and i think that he's content now um he has things around him and you know he's just playing the game that that he loves and uh knowing people around him to pick him up how much does Stott help you guys at unlv in terms of recruiting and also you know showing the guys who are on the squad now like hey you know what there's opportunities man this guy made it you guys can make it (laughs) i mean it's huge i mean hopefully you know i don't know how many times those guys come around but uh, we're trying to get him, and, and it's definitely a recruiting thing that, you know, he was wearing three years ago, he was wearing Rebels across his chest. And, yeah. uh, you know, with him and Eric Fetty and Kyle Isbell, we've had some come through there. So we let everybody know that if whatever they want to do in this game, they can do it coming through wearing a Rebel uniform. You guys came up a little bit short after an awesome season, a little bit short of the NCAA tournament. But I heard you uh, you guys went out and beefed up the schedule. So what's coming up on the schedule to make sure that, you know, if you get the job done – the NCAA could come calling, and the RPI will be better. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We're just uh, we loaded it up. I mean, Stan uh, went out, and we got Oklahoma. We got we're at Oklahoma, at Arkansas, at Cal Poly. So we're putting some things together. We got the two games with Arizona State. Uh, just played Arizona last weekend in a fall game. Got Fullerton coming up this weekend. So we're trying to load it up and, and show show them what we got. We've had you know good record in the last 13, 14 years with major conferences so we're just i mean we can only play who we're supposed to play and now we're going to load up our our uh, non-conference schedule and see what the kids are all about good deal kevin we appreciate the time you're going to make it out to uh, one of these unlv football trips or what come on san diego let's do it uh, yeah i know i'm in uh, so I'm that's all it took I'll talk all to right. Dolph. <laughs> yeah get with dolby what the hell's going on here i expect to see uh, exactly, you on the road right we got Especially this bad habit of liking fall ball <laughs> all right higgy thank you all right, guys. Take care. There he is. Kevin Higgins, longtime minor league player, UNLV assistant, got his time with the uh, pod squad as well. And really good story for UNLV baseball, really good story for local baseball in Vegas, right, Willie, with uh, Stott, you know, lo- about as local as you can get. And then, of course, Bryce has been a superstar, you know, worldwide basically since he was like 16 years old. And I think there is a difference. I think he's playing yep. looser. He's having more fun. And I think it's because of the group around him because, they're you know, they're, they got a lot of characters on that team. And I, you know what I love? freaking Reese Hoskins whipping the bat around. Like, yeah. let's go. You want to throw it at me? You want to throw it at someone else? Let's go there. They are having fun, and I think it's keeping everyone in that group loose. And you know what? One of the quotes from the story that I quoted Higgy from, Greg Maddox said, the best thing about Bryson Stott, you do not have to coach arrogance out of him because he doesn't have it. As much as Bryson is benefiting from Bryce Harper's presence, Bryce Harper is benefiting from having really? this young guy, I think. Yeah, because he's able to see. It's like, hey, I got to be a mentor. And I think that's helped. Patriots, Bears. Actually, an intriguing matchup because of all the quarterbacks in this one. Is Mac Jones going to play and split time with Bailey Zappi? Mm. Justin Fields has been a freaking nightmare. He's got to get 
better and better. We're hanging out at Twin Peaks, getting ready for Monday Night Football. Big beers under 4 bucks. Select appetizers, 2 4 and $6. A lot more on the way as Adam Hill steps in to talk Raiders.